let's um let's talk about how you go about writing, I guess. Sure. There's, I know we could talk about the formal education you've listened to, but what do you do? Um, I usually do. I try to do my like morning pages. Sometimes afternoon pages. Um, sometimes late evening. I've forgotten pages. Um, <laughs> as much as possible. Um, and just to get that stream of consciousness writing going. Um, when I first started doing that, I thought that that's how I would find bits, but it's usually, it's actually just like a really great, I guess, like technique for just like figuring out how my brain phrases things and getting ideas out there and also just building up a vocabulary. I find that morning pages is the best for that because I'm not a huge reader. I do a lot. I listen to a lot of podcasts and audio books and stuff like that. Um, but I found with when I first started comedy, I was struggling a little bit with vocabulary a a little. And I think that if you have an extensive range, sometimes it's just, it helps you find the word that sets things a bit better. So I find that morning pages helps with that and also just helps gather, gather, there we go. There's Um, gather my thoughts a little bit about like what's going on. And also it's good. um, Like I said, I don't always use it for bit. Sometimes I can, and it's really useful, but sometimes I find that it's just good to get all the sort of bullshit out of my head first and then start focusing on what I want to do, um, what ideas I have. But most of my um, process <laughs> is so still all over the place. Um, but it is like uh, just whenever something funny comes to mind or an observation or anything mildly interesting or even a news topic that i think is interesting i'll just write it down in a in a notes app on my phone and then i'll come back to it later and do some free writing on that and see what comes out of it um and yeah so would so would the that the the morning what did you call it the morning notes or the morning 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 pages or daily pages so that's the sort of thing where you just sort of rolling you just exercise you just getting used to writing but without a specific goal but then you might and effectively you're building that as a skill Mm. so that when you do actually sit down to try and write a bit you've you've expanded your vocabulary you've already got used to writing things and you can just you use that skill to write an actual yeah yeah you're right i guess it just gets the ball rolling a bit quicker on other stuff and i'm not so uh it also helps with like self-consciousness and stuff like that is getting used to the fact that like it doesn't have to be funny straight away or it doesn't have to be even interesting straight away. Just getting used to just getting it out on the page and having, I have notebooks full of just bullshit, (laughs) (laughs) nothing to them, you know? I think we've all got that. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. And why do you think it's bullshit? Is it because you're not interested in it or because you've tried it on stage and you've discovered that the audience isn't interested in it? Um, I don't really know. I think it's just it's I either stuff that I've I've tried and gotten rid of, but most of my pages I don't I don't even try. Yeah. Like I'll uh it, it's only been a couple of times that I've managed to get bits from the actual stream of consciousness pages. What I'll usually do is just write it down and then construct a bit from something that I've seen. So I'll do different people approach it differently. Like some people do, depending on their notebook size as well, they say they have to write three pages 
or two pages or four, five, whatever you feel like, um, and fill those pages with writing. Some people, for me, I set a timer. So I'll do um, a 10-minute timer and then I'll sort of check in on the other side of that 10 minutes. And usually it goes to 20. Like I'll just repeat the timer and do it again for another 10. It's only every so often that I'm just like, nah, there's nothing there today. <laughs> like I've got nothing and then I'll I'll call it at 10. Um mm. But yeah, that's all, none of that's like, I would sort of reflect on all that writing and grab bits or words or interesting things from that and then expand on that. It wouldn't actually be the writing itself that I use. So do you write out routines as a full page of, I say this, then I say that, and then I say this? Uh, no, no. I usually do it in dot points. Um especially because if I have something interesting, I sort of like to try it on stage first. And if I've scripted it too much, it doesn't, it, like, I'll, I'll be more concerned about learning the script yeah. than I will actually kind of being, I guess, like for lack of a better phrase, like in the moment um, with what's going on. I think that if I, I, I prefer to just have sort of dot points and if there's a line or something, obviously like once it's a well constructed or a, uh, a more tri- uh, tried out cohesive sort of bit. There's there's lines and phrases that I have to say because that's, you know, usually the punchline or something. Um, <laughs> it's good I'll, to remember the punchline, yes. Yeah, yeah, you try to. Um, that kind of stuff I'll memorise, but usually I memorise bits from just from practice and recording them verbally as well. How often would it take you to... Practice a bit then. Is, do, do, uh, I, I suppose it can be how long is a piece of string, but do you, mm. uh, I know from some past experience there's bits where you might, you might try something two or three times and if it doesn't quite stick, you throw it away. Mm. But uh, um, I don't know. It depends. Like it really does depend on the bit. Some stuff it, uh, it'll, if it's like it'll land straight away, um, and and I and that helps me remember it a little yeah. bit. But I, sometimes I do have to go back and and listen. And I hate I really hate listening to my own voice memos. But I've tried to do it more often because I have gone back and I've been like I forgot that I said that, and that is why. Or like um, or like people can be funny sometimes. You won't necessarily like. I'll do the same set twice, but I'll have added a sentence or a little segue or a, a word that just sort of allows people in a bit better yeah. and then it and it does better so I try to remember those moments when I can like there are some sets where you like unless I do this like particular setup line that's not funny it's not inter- like it but it does help the audience prep for the rest of the bit if that makes sense so like I would imagine it's something like an establishing shot for a yeah or you got to introduce the character in some way before you understand what world you're in exactly exactly it's kind of like it's it's exactly that so you have to um and and sometimes you know uh i think it's like watching like it is exactly like watching back the game if you're like a football player or something like that um because otherwise you'll just sit there which is what i was doing for ages i was recording every set but i never listened to them or watched them or whatever because i was just yeah. too cringy at myself and my voice and 
mannerisms and things like that. But when you do watch it back, you learn things, you figure out what works. And, and then the mystery, there's always going to be an element of mystery of like why some nights crush and why some nights don't, but the mystery kind of, it's, uh, um, the mystery kind of leaves once you listen back and you're like, oh no, it's because I was this, or, oh, it's because the tone was slightly brighter or I wasn't commenting on the set as I was doing it or something like that. Um, and I also think it's good to figure out what habits you have as well. Like I watched back a trial set that I did and when I'm really nervous, I just have these habits where I'll be like, I just do a lot of, um, what is it anyway? And that's that on that, like just a lot of <laughs> these random segue things that is kind of fine the first time, but I realized that I was doing it a lot. Um, Throughout a five, 10 minute routine or. Well, yeah, well, this one was, a, a, this one was like a 20 minute cause it was a yeah. trial for the, um, trying new material for the bigger yeah. hour, but yeah, it was, um, it's very funny. It's just stupid because you're just like, oh, if I got rid of that, that'll be a lot smoother. It sounds weird because in one way that almost sounds like you've got a, that's a natural part of something that you're saying you're doing. So that almost feels like a character thing for you, but then you've mm. got to get rid of that because sometimes mm. you, there's character elements that you want to keep, I guess, and then there's bits that maybe that's just that, that sort of almost nonsense sentence is, um, uh, it's not part of character. It's just a nervous sort of twitch and it doesn't really play to Yeah, you. exactly, exactly. And it's kind of like you you figure out what stuff is like fun for you and what works and what quirks is is handy on stage. And then usually it's the nervous quirks um, or the more anxious rather than nervous quirks that are not good. <laughs> They're just too <laughs> distracting. Me. Yeah, okay. Yeah, not for everyone, but for me. And I find that it's just um, the tone or like the way I'm a, a cynical person. So if I go back and comment on something that I'm doing, if I'm commenting on the work that I'm doing while I'm on stage, it doesn't, it never reads well. Like it just makes people a bit sad. <laughs> so that was something to learn. Uh-huh. That's good. Well, it's good that you're reading from what the um you're learning from the audience because that's an important part. Listening yeah. to the audience. Totally, totally. So if you do so let's go back to one of the reasons I, I started chatting to you was you came to the Benio Comedy Festival and did the comedy crash course. Yeah. Which was a, a was effectively a course for well, it is described for uh students to learn comedy but i yeah. can tell you that every adult slash grown-up person slash outside of school person was also very interested in the same course <laughs> how did you get involved with that course to start off with just out of interest uh that was just through the the comedy festival they run those yeah they run the comedy um the, the class clowns comp which is basically just the student version of raw comedy um, and through that, they, they have these, these crash courses that they offer for schools and stuff. And schools are looking for extracurricular things all the time. Um, I find that I usually work with year nines cause that feels like a year that everybody's out and about and doing stuff. Um, yeah. and it's just an opportunity for them to sort of get out of their comfort zone a little bit. Um, I got involved cause I'd done some workshop, never, uh, 
like stand up or comedy writing, but I'd done some like uh, acting workshops and stuff. I'd always taught them sort of sporadically since I left uni. And then I think word must have got back to the education officer at comedy festival. They were like, we need, I think one week they were down and they needed an emergency fill in. And then I was there. And then ever since then, I've just been getting those workshops, which I love to do. It's great. It's good stuff, but it is, um, yeah, it's especially with teenagers. It's so like public speaking and stuff like that. It's so life, life and death. <laughs> it really is. Like I have to remember that because for me, I mean, even as a teenager, uh, I was super, I would have been super nervous if I was in a group of just my regular peers, if I was in like a drama class or if I had a bunch of my friends with me, I wouldn't have cared and I would have been obnoxious, but especially those like year seven to nine it's scary you know you're a teenager it's full on i think it's the same thing with adults though i, I people who think they or think they're funny who might be funny in a pub or a social setting with their friends put them on stage it's that's yeah. the, that's the biggest fear again this there's still the public speaking is a very common fear for people is is there a way that with school students, let's, let's just use them as the example. Is there a way you try and lower the bar or make them feel okay um, about doing it? It depends on the group. When I first started, I was really clear that if they don't want to do something, they don't have to, um, which I still do, but I don't start the course with that because I feel like when I used to start the workshops with that, it immediately gave people an excuse to be like, I don't want to do it. So, and I'd be like, oh, okay. Um, but then I realized that when I kind of, I never stated it at the start of the um, the workshop, I found that they came out of their shells a little bit, especially if I picked, uh, I let people work with their friends as much as possible. But if there's yeah. like a, if I feel like the dynamic would be better, particularly with like um, sometimes with co-ed schools, just naturally they sort of split into sort of a boys and girls uh dynamic um in the class so i will randomly select groups and make them work together because otherwise they'll just be working um with people very similar to them and um some groups are more overbearing than others uh so i think that the way that i try to get them out is to make them feel like safe enough that they if they wanted to they could say no um without stating that fully at the start but i also let people i also say like you don't have to be funny like this isn't about we're doing a crash course about the tools that you might use if you wanted to be funny later on but you can use these same tools if you wanted to write something more dramatic or something that's kind of in between genres but also just overall you don't have to be funny in a workshop like you just it's we're trying stuff it's not about crushing <laughs> you know that, that, but that's smart i, I really like that approach to it of starting off saying of, of not telling people that there's a way to get out because then they have to start off thinking okay well i have to commit to this a little mm. bit and then you can give them the the emergency cord later on in the yeah <laughs> but, but not start up the front and also making it not about having to be funny because mm. that's that also seems to be just the the biggest fear is what if i talk for two minutes and nobody laughs yeah exactly and i think that they worry that they have to do stand up in the 
things and I give them sort of I we loosely do stand up but I would never say and now we're going to do stand up because that'll just freak people out adults too you know <laughs> so when you say you're doing so the comedy course is really just how do you break it down then is, is it just public speaking and some words you've written down and so it's you don't you never really call it stand up then I would say that you could use, I'd be like the exercises we're going to do today because it's only like two hours with the kids, sometimes an hour and a half. Um, uh, I would split it up into, I'd say, we're going to look at the different sort of styles of comedy. I always talk about like at the start, I'm like, what do we think is good comedy? What's bad comedy? And then the different styles. And like, we do like sat, we talk about satire, clowning, improv. And I start off with some improv games that I think are good to get the, um, the brain bouncing a little bit. Yeah. Um, and it also just is like an icebreaker. They have a lot of good icebreaker stuff. And then I do like a clowning exercise as well. Um, I have two main clowning exercises that I do. I'm not a clown. I never trained, but I sort of pick and borrow stuff from other workshops that I've seen yeah. <laughs> and other teachers. Um, and those exercises too, um, especially the clowning ones, help mainly with audience awareness and then um so how, saw... how do you mean that how, what do you mean by so i have this exercise that i do where i get them to put like items on a stage or something like that wherever we're working usually it's like at a place that has like a small stage or like an area where they can um pretend it's a stage um and i get them to scatter it out and then we have one volunteer who goes to get who goes and hide somewhere and we select one item from the stage like a backpack and we decide okay that's the item that we've picked as the audience that we want this volunteer to pick up and then we'll decide as well that we want this volunteer to pick it up put it on their back and then spin around in a circle and that's the agreed action that we want from the volunteer but the volunteer never hears this never knows what item and there's like 20 pieces of like things on stage. The only way that we can tell them when they come out and they come out onto the stage is through applause. Oh. So they have to like watch the audience and sort of sort of like gather whether they, um, if they start walking towards like a pencil case and that's not the thing, the kids are usually like, yeah, boo. but like <laughs> I'm always like, what are the subtle ways that you can sort of figure out exactly what they want? And sometimes it's, grueling and it takes ages for them together and sometimes they just get it straight away and they understand the audience um what the audience wants and stuff like that and that's kind of so we do that and we, i'm always like you can this is about flexibility and being able to change and making sure that you're what you're doing is for the crowd um yeah. and and sort of having that um awareness outside of the fourth wall or whatever and then um usually after those like fun running around exercises we have a little break we get some water and stuff like that <laughs> and then i'll i'll come back and i'll get them to do some more writing exercises um because yeah it's more about giving them the tools to 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 move forward and to like create comedy out of like you know out of improv ex exercises or clowning or um straight comedy writing stuff um and then hopefully they can do something with that and ultimately, like, apply to do class clowns or something. Yeah. But, yeah. I, I really love that um, listening to the audience, responding to the audience um, game. Mm. 
because it is such a, a crucial part and I say it's probably the hardest thing to for a lot of people to learn yeah that just seems like a really simple way because there's no words and there's no expectation it's mm. really yeah like you said the audience awareness that's great yeah and it's funny as well usually <laughs> when they're doing it and yeah and I think that all through all the exercises I try to stop and be like if they're really laughing, we try to unpack why. Um, but it's hard because you don't want to get too over-analytical with comedy sometimes, I think. I don't want to, you know. No, the name of the podcast is Dissecting Your Frog because if you analyse <laughs> it too much, they both yeah. die. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, so what writing exercises? Because I remember walking in um, – uh, when you were doing the course in Bendigo and you were doing what I think was just your morning pages. Yeah, yeah, People yeah. People were just doing that. Is, is Do you then build on those or is that discarded? What what kind of writing do you So recommend? what I would usually do is they do the um, – the pages or just the stream of consciousness writing um and then and this is all private i'm like you're not sharing this like we're not going to share this part we share some other writing later but this is just for them um just again so that they're just more comfortable getting thoughts out on a page and then i say is there any words or any ideas that came out during that writing that you think you could expand on um and sort of construct something out of it and it can be like I was like, don't think about it too much, but just is there anything that you feel like something could come out of it? And like sometimes it, like it, it could just be like the word hat or lion or whatever it might be. And then they do, we just do like a brainstorm. Um, and then I get them to have a look at their brainstorms and there's it's going off in different directions, but yep. it all comes back to that one main, main um, inspiration. Yeah. And then you can sort of construct uh either a bit from it or maybe a sketch premise or something like that um and that's just again like another like it's it's all like beginnings it's all about rips like starting the engine of being like oh there's actually something in this or getting them to realize that they started with like nothing um and then there's all these ideas coming out of that um and then from there we usually do like lists and i get them to list everything that they hate everything they love and everything they're scared of. Sometimes they do scared or sometimes they do embarrassed by whatever it might be. And then um, we, and then they have to, and they list that out again, they don't have to share the whole list, but there has to be at least one thing from one of those lists uh, that they could rant about for at least a minute. And then I set the timer and I get them to rant and it's usually very funny. And cause I think that, as well, it's not the case for all stand-up, but I'm like, you can sort of trick kids and adults as well into doing stand-up by just getting them to rant about something because a lot of stand-up sometimes is just ranting. It is. Why is that funny? If you, if you do, do you unpack why that is with, with the kids, why they rant? Um, or... I know, but we usually find that the, the when people are really passionate about little things, it's the funniest. Yeah. Um. Like, uh, I'm trying to think of an example. Somebody was like, uh, losing it about this one, this one woman who's always running after the bus on their way to school. And like, he's like every single day she's running <laughs> to the bus. Like she's always running late and the bus always like waits for her anyway. And they just went on this huge rant and it was just so funny. And it's like, 
Sometimes they do big picture stuff. Sometimes it's not that funny and they're ranting about something they're passionate about. That rarely ever happens. But when it does, it's like, that's cool. Um, but, yeah, I think it's just uh, it is interesting to see people get really passionate about things, especially frivolous things. Yes. I, and mm. yeah, I just remembered a, um, a piece of advice I got told, which is uh, be be passionate, be angry or be in love with things. Don't be sort of impartial yeah yeah totally and i think it's like um it, it makes uh it makes people say things with like uh assuredness assuredness yeah there's they're self-assured about what they're saying rather than dancing around it which sometimes dancing around is funny in stand-up but i'm like you can always come back to that again this is all just like starting the process and things like yeah. that and just having something that they are willing to stand by as well and get up in front of their peers and then rant about it. It's fun. I suppose the benefit within that also is that it's something that they care about and they're not, um, they're less influenced by what they think is supposed to be funny. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. They're pulling on something that they actually care for. How much do you think of, is it, is the passion that they, the, the, it's, it's the the tone and the and and that the things they're caring about rather than just the words they're saying yeah uh i don't know it depends i think like 90 percent of the time it's just like the passion that they have about something dumb um and then other times they're able to it, it's also funny because like Usually I'll be like, can you rant about this for a minute? And especially like uh, teenagers, they're like, yes, absolutely. But they get to like, they think they've been ranting for a minute. I was like, it's been 30 seconds, keep going. And it's when they have to like keep going and they're like scraping the barrels of their minds for like words and things like that, that sometimes like really, really funny stuff comes out. And that's where the magic happens, you know, like that's when they're like coming up with words, making stuff up. That's when they go on tangents and stuff like that. And I think that, again, it's like comedy is uh, a surprise. Like we, uh, I'm sure someone may have said this on this podcast before, but like good comedy is like a horror film. Like, you know, you want to be scared. Like when you go see a horror film, it's the same way you go see a comedy show. Like you want to laugh, you want to be scared but you don't want to know where the frights are coming from. You don't want to know whether why okay. you're laughing or where the laughs are going to come from. Like, I think, um, yeah, some, this is like way, 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 way back when, when I was at uni, someone was like comedy, 80% of comedy is in surprise, you know, and it doesn't have to mean that you have to be like big and loud and suddenly just like, bah, like, <laughs> but it's just like the, where you're going with it, where the punchline ends up or where you, um, where you started the journey, where you ended it, it should be a bit of a, a surprise to the audience. Um, and I think that we find that in these workshops when people really are struggling to figure out what to say and they're surprised as well, you know? And that's improv too. Improv is all about the surprise of where it ends up. It's hard to bottle that though, to recapture. Someone said that improv is, you know, you're sort of there for the moment, but if you try and recreate that, it's really difficult. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but I think that um, I, uh, what this kind of exercise and stuff does is that you've seen that it can happen 
And then if you, so how can you use that to, to better your skills or in the future, you know, like for me, I find this is like what we were talking about before. I find that I can, I, I like to have a mildly constructed bit or idea or premise. Um, but oftentimes the funniest part of the joke, what, what ends up being the funniest part of the joke is what I found on stage because I have allowed myself to have that sort of element of surprise. I'll repeat that. Like the initial surprise will be great, but then I'll repeat it over and over again. And it's still there because the audience is hearing it for the first time, the following yeah. times. Is, is there any of that? Do you think much of that is acting? Is that? Ah, uh, yeah, I guess so. I guess because you're, but that's the same as like every time you do stand up, you want to, you're act, it's, you're pretending it's like a facade. You're pretending that this is the first time you're saying any of this stuff. Yeah. And that's what keeps it fresh. And I know when I'm, yeah, yeah. I know it's uh, when I start getting bored of myself a little bit, I have to force myself to put something in there that's a little different, even if it's not for the crowd or something like that, but just especially during festival runs and stuff like that, you do the same show over and over again. What, like, I think it's important to have things each show or particularly towards the tail end of the season stuff that you can do to make it fresh for you or to make you feel like it's fresh. Oh yeah, I I'm, I'm doing stand up tonight for the first time in many months after um, lockdown and producing and all, all, all the other all the other things and being remote. You don't get that many opportunities to start off with, mm. and I'm dusting off. I was going to do some new material, but a main one reminded me that you know starting off with new material when you haven't talked for the first time is hard. So yeah, yeah, totally. Do something old, and I dusted off some old things, and I looked at them and I was like, ah, oh, I don't know if I'm going to be that excited about saying all this again. So I just rewrote parts of it and added new little bits, and now they're my favourite bits. I'm looking forward to. Yeah, doing it because there's going to be like a couple of things in there that I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, but. yeah, that is it, and yeah, it's funny as well. I think that there's um there's bits that ended up uh stronger for me after the comedy festival, but I can't do it again because the whole bit I did for that show I can't do it again for this show. But I feel like they got stronger on the other side of it because I was forcing myself to add and to. Recreate. And I did it so many times that I had to see it from a different perspective. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. You, 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 you're stepping back a little bit and then back into it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, I did write down something about earlier when you were talking about writing and the vocabulary of things. Mm. And I guess this is this is also associated to what we were just talking about, Find, choosing the right words mm. and getting them in the right order. Is, is How important is that vocabulary? I mean, do you find that you've got a joke and it takes a while until suddenly, ah, oh, if, I, if I say cranium instead of skull, for some reason cranium works in this. Yeah, routine. yeah, I... Absolutely. I think that um, sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes if I have a set that I like um, or that's like pretty much 
almost done. I don't, yeah, and also I, I don't know, I never know when sets are like done as well. But anyway, but if there's like something that's like pretty constructed, what I'll try to do sometimes is look at the words that I've got and try to find the most, what's the most interesting way for me that I can like say this line. It doesn't necessarily mean that I'm coming up with something like super insane or the best synonyms that anyone's ever heard of. But like, if I, like I'm writing my new show now and I was just um, working on it before this and I just kind of looked at something that I, uh, a paragraph this is the first time I've sort of scripted a show as well, rather than just doing bits and dot pointing it. But I was looking at a paragraph of the show that's just pretty self, it's um, almost exposition. And previously I probably would have been like, oh, I just have to do this little exposition bit and get through it. But looking at it written down, I was like, okay, what's the best way that I can, what's some analogies I can use in here or what's the most interesting word I can use here and there and stuff like that to sort of make it pop a little bit more and just make it a little bit more interesting to hear too. That, so it's, yeah, I was going to yeah. say, is that necessarily a punchline or is that just? Nah, <laughs> nah. <laughs> definitely not. There might be some like throwaway jokes in there, but no like hard punchlines or anything, but it's just like fun. And also, again, I haven't tried that in front of an audience. It might be, interesting to see how they feel you know like sometimes the throwaway jokes you, you like get a bigger laugh than the actual punchline uh, which is sometimes the case for me but <laughs> that's no but fine. It's, it's good because i um someone said just be interesting that's one of the main things that grabs the audience's attention yeah yeah and then it's like you kind of then you kind of have to tread the like find the balance between like just being interesting or, or seeking something like interesting and compelling um, to do or to say or to be or whatever, but then also not trying too hard because I, people have a really good sense of when you're trying too hard to be something that you're not or to, to be more interesting or quirky or whatever. Yeah. And I think... Um, the purpose of this is to be interesting rather than funny. Yeah. And that's that's not what we came for. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Or just like if you're yeah, I think it's um there was I remember listening to some like podcast literally ages ago. I can't remember who it was. I can't even remember if it was like a comedian, an actor or whatever, but someone was like, the moment that you stop trying to be unique in like the arts, you kind of set yourself free a little bit. And I don't think that that means like get rid of any unique qualities about yourself, but I think it forces you to sort of hone in on like um, who, what, what voice you have, like what your voice is rather than I think when I oh. first started, I was like, I want to do something like different. I want to do like sketch and music and this, and I would put on all these like layers but the best stuff I've ever done or the things that people respond to the most is when I've just done stand-up and just sort of been myself and told a story or a joke as me. But, like, yeah. But then there's other people who do do that and their their thing is, like, a really big clowny or a really, like, satirical, interesting character. I think that that is also super valid. It's just different people, like, you kind of zero down on what kind of show you want to put on in that way as well, if that makes yeah. sense. No, yeah, absolutely. That you 
people try and throw a whole bunch of stuff to the wall until something sticks is yeah. basically the same thing. But what you're saying is, you know, you're doing it to yourself. You're throwing things on yourself yeah. trying to find a way to be unique and then eventually all that stuff slides off and you're whatever's behind, left behind. Yeah, exactly. And I think that it's like it's kind of throwing if you like, especially when you start out, just try, try everything, try different styles, try different versions of um performance and stuff like that but i guess that's that thing of throwing it out there rather than trying to throw it onto yourself like you were saying and being like this is me now no this is me now i think just like throwing it out there and kind of throwing caution to the wind a little bit is good as well in that sense when you say is that when you say that you found the bits that were stand up was the that what worked is that also sort of what you found you enjoyed doing the most or was it really would you say you still enjoy the other elements but uh no i think it's it was still definitely the thing that i enjoyed the most um and and came because it just came most the most naturally to me as opposed to everything else felt like i had to step into something a little (laughs) bit more which i was like i don't want to (laughs) do well um i wanted to ask i've still got this note here from a, a thing we touched on before when you were talking mm. about uh comedy is about surprise and i wrote down uh do you add surprise to your routines on purpose do, if you're trying to write a joke if you know that that's one of the important elements do you um do you think about that when you're writing or is it just a coincidence or uh, I'm not thinking about it super consciously when I'm writing, but I am thinking about it when I'm on stage. Um, and oh, yeah. when I, especially when I try, when I, at the moment when you're going through these like trials and stuff like that, if something, um, often the surprise comes from when things fuck up, like when something isn't going well, or if I skip a bit or I say something that's weird, um, and then I'll sort of, peek behind the curtain i'll manufacture that surprise later on because it worked well if it, if it yeah, worked yeah. well in the space because it felt organic and it's funny and it's interesting i'll start to manufacture that surprise for the later shows and sometimes it doesn't work because the surprise is the surprise like the fuck up or like tech mistake or me saying mm. a word that i didn't know i was gonna say or something like that is um purely like a whatever like an organic experience that can't be like manufactured i've I've got a friend who has a it's a terrific joke um Mm. but um it's only a joke when she feels it's going to work like the correct line is boeing but if she feels like she's going to accidentally say bunnings that gets a laugh but she can't force it she said if if she tries to say bunnings and they go oops sorry i meant to say boeing that mm. sounds so forced and she just can't recreate it. But every so often she says, oh, I can, it just sort of felt like I was going to say that word anyway. So the, that mistake was, that surprise yeah, spontaneous. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But, yeah, I think that there's like the, um, the element surprise works in like in constructed bits as well in terms of like uh, the rule of three that's the surprise element too is that third thing being quirky different um kind of shocking or whatever and i think that when i'm writing a story down especially if i'm just yeah because i'll start out by just like writing out the story 
Um, and hopefully it's already kind of funny in the way that I'm telling it, but then to add the jokes, usually the jokes that I'm adding are analogies, like comparisons, like real life or, um, or the rule of three. And that's when the surprise element can come into it a bit because even though, yeah. No, do you want, do you write the stories and then work back to add extra Sometimes, yeah, yeah, especially um, if it's a longer bit or if it is like something that I think I'm, I'm, I'm also trying to figure out if it's a an actual, if it can be a joke or if it's just like a storytelling thing or just like more of a, um, yeah, if if I if I have a longer story to tell and also because uh, sometimes if I want to do something, tell a story that's like dark. Usually, if I have done that just off the cuff. Um, it doesn't work as well as if I write it all down and then try and find the light in all of it to bring it up a little bit. Um, so that helps, but yeah, I think it like, especially right now, I'm trying to write out the stories a lot more, but when I first started, it was mostly just dot pointing the bits, the main hitters of the story, and then just going on stage and telling them, but I am finding that writing them out and then finding more jokes within that and having a look at it and being like, oh, there's actually more here or I can elongate this further than I thought. Or on the other hand, I'll write it all out um, and then I can get rid of all the fluff yeah. and it's a stronger bit on stage. That's what I happened recently. I had this set that I thought uh, was like a whole seven-minute set. I was like, nah, this story takes too long. It takes like six minutes to tell. The payoff's good, but it's, um, it's like four minutes of the audience having to listen to the story before the payoff. Yeah. And then one night I got the light. I had like two minutes left and I just told like the main hitters of the story and then we went straight to the punchline and I got a, a big laugh. I could end on that. That was great. But also I was like, oh, this story is really quick. It's not that <laughs> long at all. And the longer I like, yeah, and I can, I can, um, I mean, yeah, I think that that's also important to do too, is especially if you're like, no, I think this is a good uh, or a, a compelling thing to tell an audience, but it's never landing. It's never quite landing. If you write it all out and really write it out verbatim, then you can like cut all the crap and really focus on what are the main points, like a real economy of words situation. And then once you've broken it down to those main points, that's when you add the throwaway jokes, the, you change up some of the wording, you do something that can, can add a bit of flair to it. That's so true. And it's also actually a hard skill, I think, because I, I discovered some stuff I wrote and I remember it was like a draft five, Mm. but even draft five, I looked at it and went, Oh, I can cut out so much from this. (laughs) How big was this to start off with? Yeah, totally, <laughs> totally. Yeah, that's always the way. Hey? Are you enjoying writing out the stories? Um, why are you doing the... it more now? Why, why, why do it now? Um, I think just because I'm trying to um, write a show. <laughs> yeah. So I am uh, whatever I can, whatever I can accumulate to to put into this show. I'm doing. Um, so when you say write a show, though, because you've done shows before, you, those shows were more just a collection of routines versus this whole show. Is that what you're referring? Yeah, yeah. I think that I would. I'll always try to find the through line. Yeah. Um. And usually the it's 
the the through line is just me it's easy to find like stuff in it because it's it's all from my brain so it's easy to find the through line in that it's just about figuring out where to put what spots and what you want to end on um whereas this one it has more of a um a premise like it's still definitely just accumulated bits but i am trying to find the story the stories that uh link all of the bits um but i also most of my jokes are just stories as well so yeah yeah which um i always cringe at because saying that you're like a storyteller or whatever is so gross i don't say you're a storyteller yeah exactly exactly (laughs) no definitely not that's that's an old man in a bar with a walking stick yeah he's trying to regale you with yeah exactly exactly so yeah so i don't always do this but um i am finding it's a new process for me and i am finding it a lot it's uh, the payoff is much better yeah yeah which is good is that because you can cut things out a bit easier and things like that yeah and i'm just seeing it on the page in front of me and i can i'll try it try the routine on stage and stuff like that but i think that um sort of cuts out some of the 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 fluff and just forces me to be like oh what am i actually saying yeah but again i'm not memorizing it like i'll i'll use that as a guide but i'm not one of those people who memorizes jokes and and um and stand up sets verbatim to what like they've they've written down oh good yeah i think a lot of people do it like that well um we'll, we'll sort of wrap up because mm-hmm. i've almost taken up all your time <laughs> um i did want to ask i've got the question that i ask at the end of every podcast at the moment is why comedy why doing this type of writing yeah for me or just for the world no for you well oh. maybe if maybe for you is for the world jordan I maybe that's that. what you're trying to <laughs> impact yeah true yeah. true um before didn't slip there yes yeah, yeah i um i guess because it's just uh it's what i like doing most and i think it was i started out i went to I always did performing and stuff at school and then I did it at uni and I thought that I wanted to do like acting and stuff like that. But I really was always going to, I've always been a comedy fan, um, but I never thought that I could do it. It always seemed scarier than it actually is. And so it just kind of, it feels like everything was kind of coming back to doing stand up. So it's nice to actually be here. It feels like I'm in the right spot. So I don't really know. Anything no, but, beyond that? <laughs> no, so you're always interested, but what, what, if you were interested in, I guess, the arts, then in that sense, what mm. got you to actually? If you were saying you were afraid or it was scary at first, what got you to start doing it? Why? Where was the burning passion to actually? Ah, uh, I don't know. It was just kind of a flippant. I've always, I did um some shows for the comedy festival, but they were always like like cabaret or like sketch shows. Um, and that was with the group, I imagine, or was it? Yeah, I did one solo sketch show, but the rest were in a group, yeah. And then I, yeah, and it was that cabaret show when I, I realised that like the best parts of that was a um, 
or the parts that people seem to enjoy the most um, was when I was just like talking. And then I, my friend and I just bit the bullet and went for raw in like 2018. And that was when I started. And then I just decided to just keep going. And I love it. And I think <laughs> I, I just had always wanted to do it, but it was just like never feeling it's it, everybody who wants to do it is always waiting for some like sign or waiting for a great set that they can start with. But you just kind of, I yeah. mean, I'm sure you feel the same way. You just have to sign up like, yeah. And then for, and force yourself. You oh, can't, yeah. there's no sign. No one's waiting for you. Like, no, no one cares. <laughs> if you want to do it, you just have to do it. Good with that, sir. Uh, or yeah. sign up to a, uh, what was it comedy crash course course? No, they can't call it that. That's not the way it's called. Comedy <laughs> crash course, and then you can have yeah. the founding. Yes. And move on from there. Absolutely, I do think that is just for schools. But if you're a teacher, start up your school, and then you'll you'll learn. <laughs> no, yeah, absolutely. I, well, yeah. I don't know. Oh, sorry. In my brain, I was like, oh, you could be like one of us. Comedians at the Benio Comedy Festival hiding behind the curtain, listening in. Thinking, That's a good tip. We should do oh, that. Yeah, true, true. That's but it's so probably funny. not advisable to ha encourage middle-aged men to stand behind curtains during school time. So, <laughs> yeah, true. Very true. <laughs> let's give that. <laughs> that's, that's a good exit. I'm going to exit on that now. <laughs> Thanks for your time, Jordan. No, thank you. Thanks, Luke. This is such an awkward, weird end. I love it. I think it's perfect. <laughs> Just the way it should always end, you know? <laughs>